0: hello there you're listening to the kent foundation podcast my name is katie and today i am joined by rowan she's going to be chatting with us about her role within the kent foundation and her position as east kent coordinator here we go
1: okay
0: so right good morning rowan Hi Katie. Hello. So this morning I thought I would just have a quick chat with um, Rowan. For those of you that don't know Rowan, she is the East Kent Coordinator for the Kent Foundation. Um, So maybe Rowan, maybe you could just start by um, just telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so um, you know my name. I live in Canterbury. I'm originally from Sheffield and moved down to Kent about 25 26 years ago when my then boyfriend now husband got himself a job down here and I trotted along a little while after and started working for the Prince's Trust.
0: Oh, fab. How, did, did, how did you get into that was that something that did you do that before or like or something related before or how did that come about?
1: So when I was in Sheffield my job before I moved down to Kent was I worked in an enterprise agency. Um, there aren't really any enterprise agencies around anymore but there used to be a network of organisations that supported people who were setting up and growing a business. So I worked at the one in Sheffield um, so when I moved down to Kent I was looking for something similar because I really enjoyed that sort of work and the Prince's Trust were advertising in the local newspaper which is what you used to use then so Mm-hmm. For a job, um, and for somebody to work on a project that they were running, which was working with offenders and ex-offenders who wanted to start up their own business. So, um, luckily enough, I got that job and moved down to Kent and started working for them. Then,
0: oh fair okay. And then, what what
1: happened from there? Then, how long were you there? So, I was with the Prince's Trust for nearly twenty five years. After that. Wow. So So I did lots and lots of different things across all their different programmes. Um, I worked in Kent for a while and then I worked in London for a couple of years managing a programme called Get Into, which is about working with employers to deliver programmes that combine training and work experience for unemployed young people. So I did that for a few years and then my last job with the Prince's Trust was managing a lottery funded project called Talent Match and that ran across parts of Kent, East Sussex and Essex um, and it was working with long-term unemployed 18 to 24 year olds who were looking to get back into work. Um, so that ran five years which was the period of the funding um, and at the end of that um, the Prince's Trust was going through a restructure, that job was coming to an end obviously for me. Um, and I decided it was a good point to leave the Prince's Trust and look for something a little bit different. Um, so just at the point I was thinking of doing that um, I start to look around for some other jobs perhaps something more local um, to Canterbury where I live and I saw that the Kent Foundation was advertising for the East Kent coordinator position I knew Stuart because the Prince's Trust and the Kent Foundation have had a, a very long standing relationship. And on the, um, my last job at the Prince's Trust, we actually commissioned the Kent Foundation to do some um, enterprise work for us in Kent. So I rang up Stuart and said, oh Stuart, there's this job going at the Kent Foundation. And he was like, oh no, you wouldn't be interested in It's only three days a week. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for now, Stuart. And we went there and I applied for that job and obviously went for an interview and the rest is history, as they say.
0: It was meant to be. (laughs)
1: It was meant to be. It was meant to be. It was one of those things where um, people who I used to work with said oh well that had your name written all over it didn't it I was like yeah you know based in Canterbury three days a week doing something that I really like doing which is working with um young people who were starting up and running a business so yeah absolutely have my name on it
0: amazing what so you've always really done kind of similar route. you've always been a helping person like helping young people helping businesses so do you do you love that is that is that your thing would you say
1: i think my my thing is yeah is seeing people succeed and do something that they find challenging but rewarding so whether that in other roles has been about getting young people into work or as is now helping people start or grow business it's just it is really rewarding exciting And I think the thing about this particular role is just how blown away I am by how enthusiastic, positive, intelligent, creative, all the people that we work with are and how amazing they are. Um, You know, I'm a bit older now, but I think there's a lot of publicity about you know millennials snowflakes young people all that sort of stuff and it's so not true when you get involved in this sort of work and you just see how driven people are to actually get up off their backsides and do something and make something for themselves
0: yeah is there anything that um kind of sticks in your head not even just from this role but is there anything over the years that kind of sticks in your head that you remember um like any specific memories of of jobs and things you've done or people you've helped and something and you've just thought oh yes like that that's what it's all
1: about um i think it was actually a local example in kent um where we ran it was in in my get into role um at the prince's trust and we ran a get into lifeguarding program in Aylesford and we have some funding from the I think it was from the local council to run this get into lifeguarding program which is we took young people through the qualification to be a lifeguard and we adapted it a bit so it was a bit more accessible for people who maybe weren't used to classroom situation and we gave them a bit more opportunity to develop the physical skills the swimming skills that you need as well um, and we did that in January and it was absolute nightmare to get it all organised, to find a swimming pool that would do it for us, to get the young people transported there. And it, it was, there was lots of different challenges, but at the end of it, we had 12 young people who finished the programme um, and two weeks later, them all being long-term unemployed, they were able to get jobs because they got that, just that little qualification that means you can get work. Wow. And Going in as a lifeguard, if you talk to people in that sector, quite often the leisure centre managers, the area managers, people who've moved up the chain, all start as a lifeguard because it's that entry level role that once you've got those skills, you can get work. And then once you're in that environment, you see what the other things are that you can go on to and move within that organisation upwards. So that really sticks in my mind. but even like today, um, I was doing my drop-in on whereby today, and I had somebody who I'd worked with in the Prince's Trust probably about 15 or 20, no, maybe 15 years ago, um, and she's still running the business that um, I that she was setting up when I was in contact with her originally. So we're just talking about you know the, this weird environment we're in at the moment and what she's doing. But I was having a chat with her. Um, and she's there, and a little girl came on. And, wanted to and yeah, that was that was brilliant to see somebody who just sort of got an idea and getting it started. And then all this time later, she's got six employees. She's got six other associates who are self-employed who work in the business. And obviously at the moment, things aren't as she would like them to be. But she's grown that business from just her and her brother into quite a substantial size organisation. So that was, that was really nice as well, where you're still in touch with people and see what they've achieved.
0: Oh, And I, and I guess for you, that, that's really rewarding because you know you can see then firsthand that the help that she got at that time allowed her to make yeah. a success. It allowed her to make a life and a business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, so nice. I've not had any contact with her for a long time um, just to catch up was really, really good and to see how it's and hear how it's developed.
0: Yeah. So what, so in terms of, um, in terms of, so you're in the Kemp Foundation role now um, in terms of that, like, what, so what, so what kind of thing do you, do you have to do? What kind of thing are you doing on a, on a daily basis kind of for the Kemp Foundation?
1: Well, pre coronavirus, um, <laughs> if going out and meeting people, so people who inquire of us and say that they would like a mentor, going out and having a chat with them, finding out a bit more about them and their business, um, the sort of support they'd like from a mentor, so I can make a match um, that's going to work for them. And then there was going out promoting the work of the Kemp Foundation. I was doing quite a lot of stuff with Christchurch. Uh, university doing drop-ins at their careers hub getting involved in their different events also at the university of kent with their business school um linking up with them um it's quite a big network
0: isn't it like it's a big it's not just the kent foundation it is so much bigger
1: yeah it is a big network a lot of the uh, local councils are really supportive about what we do and they'll refer people to us who they're in contact with who would like a mentor and we can also refer people back to them for support whether that's about premises um, or particular training or funding that those individual councils might have so yeah it's a really big network it's not just us operating in isolation it's us getting ourselves out there and known.
0: And in terms of, um, well, you're you're a matchmaker, aren't you? You you pair you pair people up, yeah. and, you know. So in, in terms of uh, being a matchmaker, which sounds very romantic, um, how 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 do you how do you know how do you know when somebody is going to pair well with somebody else? Like, is it is it a feeling? Is it something they've written on a sheet somewhere? Like, how do you figure that
1: one out? I suppose that it's a little bit geography, so it's a little bit um, which actually is totally irrelevant at the moment. But uh, before this, it's a little bit about you know where they live and where the mentor lives. So are they actually going to be able to meet up reasonably easy and on a regular basis? So. Um, that's the first thing. And it's a little bit sometimes about the type of business. So, is that the sort of business that the mentor might have had some experience with, even through their own business and career? Or sometimes, have they mentored another business that's in that field? So, for example, we've got a mentor who's ended up being a bit of our baking mentor. So, he's mentored three businesses, that one's cookie making one's been brownie making and one's been a sort of general bakery um because i know that he understands that sort of business they're all very different businesses but he understands the sort of basics of what's involved um and then it's a little bit about personality so if someone's really bubbly um there might be one sort of mentor If someone's a bit quieter and is going to need perhaps someone who's a bit more gentle and can sort of tease information out of them it, maybe it's different sort of mental so it, it's those you know it's the, the geography the business and the personalities and then most times you know 99 times out of a 100 we get it right so that doing it that way seems to work quite well and what what kind of
0: people I mean there's so many people who are a part of the Kent Foundation what kind of people would you say are like are going to benefit from this service like when people are coming looking for a mentor what what are they really looking
1: for what do they need i think quite a lot of time what they're really looking for is somebody neutral that they can talk about their business Um, because people have got obviously lots of other people in their lives sometimes friends and family can be really supportive and absolutely fantastic Sometimes what people say to me is that their friends and family could be over supportive and just go, yeah, whatever you want to do is amazing and brilliant and yeah, 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 go for it, go for it. But sometimes they want somebody to be a bit of a devil's advocate and say, that's great, but what about doing it this way or have you thought about this or have you thought about that? And conversely, sometimes people's um, friends and family can be a bit like, oh, what do you want to do that for? Get yourself a job. It'd be so much easier to have a job than worry about all this business stuff. So I think a lot of it is having somebody neutral who is there to support them and listen to them talk about their business and hasn't got any sort of agenda about that. that's the main thing sometimes people are after particular sort of skills so they might think oh i don't know what to do about my marketing or i don't know what to do about my finance and although we don't offer a specialist mentoring service in that way so we don't say whatever sort of issue it is that you want we will find your mentor that can help you with exactly that because that's not practical to say that we could do that But equally, if somebody thinks the marketing is going to be my sort of challenge, I will try and find a mentor who has experience of marketing so that they are able to support them with that as well. But, yeah, as I said initially, I think mainly it's somebody neutral who that they can talk to about their business in a non-judgmental, totally unbiased way.
0: And what do you think in terms of, um, you know, people wanting to start businesses and stuff like that. What kind of quality, if, right? So you can only pick three. So if you had to pick three oh. qualities, <laughs> no pressure, pick three qualities that somebody possesses to have that, um, you know, to have that drive, that desire to have a business, what mm. What three qualities could they have that you you would think, yeah, they they're really going to help you. That's really, you know, the kind of track you want to go down.
1: Um, I think hard working, because yeah, it's going to be blooming hard work. Um, I don't know anybody who's ever started a business to go, oh, it was really easy. Um, determined because there are going to be hurdles and challenges to overcome and link with that resilience so that when things do go wrong and they don't work out how you'd like them to, you can pick yourself up and carry on. I think probably you know there's loads of other qualities, but probably those three things.
0: And do you think it's do you think it's important to to know like a lot of the businesses that come to you and they start as one thing, do they do they change? Do, do they always kind of turn out how you expected, or do they evolve? How how does that happen?
1: I think most businesses evolve over a period of time. Um, a good example actually from my Prince's Trust days is somebody that we supported through the Prince's Trust who set up up a fashion business and her background I think she got a degree in fashion design Um, so she started designing and making like a small collection of items and she went to an event and she'd made some sort of camisole tops at that event and a local Business journalist did a feature about her, and then sort of slightly misunderstood what it was she was doing, called her a lingerie designer, and she was horrified at this. She, I'm not a lingerie designer. I'm a fashion designer. Can't believe that they said that. It's all over the newspaper. Blah blah blah. But she had a few inquiries about, oh, what sort of lingerie do you do? I'm interested in blah blah blah. And she ended up actually sort of turning her business one eighty and became a lingerie designer.
0: <laughs> oh wow. Um,
1: off, did a bra making course because making bras is really complicated and you've got to know how to do the right sort of patterns and all the different components and she had a really successful lingerie business and she sold to really high-end boutiques and also direct and she's um, moved on to other things now but from that one thing where she thought she was going to be a fashion business and was just horrified that someone should think she was a lingerie designer she actually turned that around on its head and took that opportunity and made it into something really different and really successful. So I think you probably never really know when you start a business where it's gonna take you. Um, and it's just being able to respond to those different situations and take advantage of them, really. Um, just be willing to be a bit flexible. And just roll with it and see where it goes, where it goes.
0: And do you get excited? Like when people come to you and you say, oh, what's your business? And they tell you, like, do you still get excited by that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So we don't normally do home visits, um, but somebody um, I met a little while ago was starting a business from their home and it was one of those things that you you had to see it really. And I went, went there and I was just blown away by what this person was doing. And it is really exciting just to... It's really interesting to find out about all these sorts of different types of businesses and how they work um, but it's really exciting when you can see that someone's like really got it and then they're, they're gonna take this somewhere who knows ultimately where it will be as we were just saying but they're gonna they're gonna pick it up and they're gonna run with it and they're gonna take it somewhere and it's just exciting to see them starting that journey and then brilliant to catch up with them as they're going along that journey and how the business is developed, really exciting.
0: And so if you had to give um, like a small business one piece of advice, or maybe maybe someone gave you some advice at some point and it's kind of stuck with you, what, what would that be? What advice would you, would you give to somebody? Ooh.
1: I would say do something that you love don't try and start a business thinking i'm not really going to like this but i think it's going to make me a lot of money because i think most people really struggle with that and it will become a drain and really boring and a bit depressing so i think you've got to find something that you are passionate about and that you love and that you know how to do that's really important that you actually know how to offer this product or service but it's something that you're going to you think you are going to love doing um and that's probably the main thing um so we find going out somewhere like Christchurch and you've got students saying oh, I'm just trying to think of something that's going to make me a load of money that's great and if you can combine that and it's something that you are really excited about that's brilliant but I think just looking for that on its own probably is not going to work it's just finding your thing that you're going to get up every morning and think I'm really looking forward to doing this I can't wait until um I can get back in start." Doing the day with
0: my business. Yeah. How do you how do you think that comes about for people? Do you think it's kind of like in you from a really young age, or do you think it's, you know, other other things that factor in like your environment or whatever? Or or do you think some people just have always known, you know, maybe you've got a friend who's always known she was going to be an accountant and studied for years and then got that qualification and then you've got that other friend who actually has flitted between jobs and was never really sure on what she wanted to do. Do you, do you think that people do know, or do you think it's all part of the fun, just
1: figuring it out? I think that people who run their own business, probably if you ask them, say, yeah, I never really, I never really like being told what to do a lot of, and they struggle with that at school or in jobs. And they didn't like having a boss. They sort of knew they wanted to be the boss. Not everybody, but that I think is quite a common thing. But in terms of what people do, I think it's sometimes it's almost by chance because it just depends. You know, the job a job that they applied for that they got, and then they learned a skill and thought, actually, I could do this for myself. Um, or um, we've got people who they've they've used a service individually just something for them personally at home and thought actually i could do a better job of doing that so there is i think there's an element of chance in terms of what it is you do but i think there probably is something in people's personality who set up their own business where they just they want to be the boss they don't want to be told what to do and that's probably always there um and if they didn't find a business idea, that's obviously going to become a bit of an issue for them because <laughs> they're always going in a job not wanting to be told what to do. Um, yeah, I think that's the common thing is they know that they want to be the boss.
0: And I guess that's what you said about the, you know, the determine, the resilience, because those kind of people and those people with those specific qualities will we'll just keep going you know they'll keep going until they find it and they won't accept that oh I've just got to get a job I've just got to do this even though I don't like it Mm -hmm.
1: yeah absolutely and yeah they will keep pushing themselves and if one particular idea isn't working out I think well how can I tweak it what can I change and just think on their feet and, and do whatever it is they need to do to take the business forward
0: And do you think that's an important quality for a business owner to be able to think on their feet and change? And at the moment, obviously, at the moment, we're all at home. We're doing this on a on a Zoom call. We're all sat in our houses and our makeshift offices while, um, you know, coronavirus kind of uh, goes about. Um, So do you think that's another important thing about being able to kind of pivot and, and think fast and move quick?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially at the moment, um, even if that's just thinking about how you're going to make sure your business survives and comes out the other end of this. Um, And although this will probably be in the past by the time this podcast appears, we've got one of our brilliant mentors doing a workshop on Wednesday tomorrow, which is all about improvisation because she does stand up comedy as sort of a a side thing from her. and she's going to do this workshop about improvisation skills and how you can use those skills that you would use to do improvisation performances and stand up comedy to think on your feet and um, respond to different environments and how you can use that in your business as well as if you want to do stand up comedy in the way that she does. So, yeah, that's sort of a really good point. I think, yeah, thinking on your feet and be able to react to situations positively. I'm thinking, oh, that's not worked out. Forget the whole thing, pack up. Is thinking, well, that's not worked out. What is going to work out? And moving on from there.
0: Yeah. And also being adaptable, like you say tomorrow, about so this almost being pushed online has built the community even more so because now everybody is networking in a totally different way. So, you know, people that are going to tune in and listen to the stand up comedian that might have completely different businesses, nothing to do with comedy, nothing to do with face-to-face, yeah. you know, but they're going to take something from that and adapt it and use it in their own business. You know, it's all relative, isn't it? It's still business. It doesn't matter how you're adapting it to what yeah. situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that that's really, the workshop tomorrow will be a really good opportunity for people to think about things in a different way um and just tap into that ability to think on their feet and apply that to the current situation and what they can do differently even if there's not much they can do now what they can do differently at the end of this because there will be an end at some point where the world does move back towards being normal and there'll be opportunities for small businesses where large businesses haven't been able to make it through that period or they've decided to change in a different way and that I'm sure there will be opportunities for people out there. So it's just being able to take advantage of those when they present themselves.
0: And so to someone that is listening to this and thinking, Oh, that that sounds like what I need. Like, you know, I want to be a part of something like that. How, how can they do that? How can they go about kind of getting involved with the Kent foundation?
1: So if people are looking for a mentor, you can get in touch with us through our website. There's an inquiry page. Uh, website is kempfoundation.org, or you can email us at hello at kempfoundation.org. And then, you know, as we're doing with everything, we'll get in touch, arrange a Zoom meeting, have a chat with you about your business, um, whether it's a business that's already running or a business that you want to start, and then talk about the different ways that we could support you with that. Um, And then look at whether we can match you with a mentor um, who can support you going forward um, and help you start, grow, develop that business. In terms of mentors, We're always looking at new mentors. We did our last group of mentor training in March and we've got another one scheduled in for August. So I'm really hoping that by then that'll be face to face, but if not, we'll find a different way of doing it and we'll do it on Zoom or something like that. Um, So again, same ways of contacting us um, if you'd like to be a mentor as well, because we need both ends of it really. We need people who want a mentor and we need mentors. Um, so yeah we're still very much open for business and we'll be here throughout until uh, we get out of this lockdown
0: indeed and it will happen we will get there it's just it's just you know but definitely I think especially like everyone is making the most of it in the meantime I've seen you referred to the workshop tomorrow I've seen so many people jump online with their businesses classes virtual meetups you know virtual coffee morning wine night whatever it is you know it's so it's so lovely and it's perhaps something that actually wouldn't have happened otherwise because people wouldn't have gone down that road people wouldn't have been pushed into you know a virtual socialization um so that's that's really great okay well thank you ever so much roan so what i'm going to do um just to round up i'm just going to ask you if you don't mind a few questions um they're not necessarily business related just a few personal questions Um, and I'm going to start by asking you what is your favourite movie?
1: Uh, When Harry Met Sally.
0: Oh straight off the bat you knew that
1: (laughs) (laughs) I saw it actually it popped up on Netflix the other day and thought oh I've got to watch that again I haven't done it yet but yeah that's my favourite film.
0: (laughs) What do you do to relax?
1: Normally, going to the gym, I like spinning, I like weights. Um, so, I've really missed that, but I've done absolutely nothing exercise wise since the start of lockdown. So, I think I keep thinking I haven't done it yet, I really need to do it. Downloading the Couch to 5K app and starting that, because I've thought about doing that before. I like a little bit of running, and this would be a good opportunity to do that while I can't go to the gym.
0: Uh, i've heard actually i've heard a few people say that they've signed off that that and joe wicks 9am joe wicks doing his pe classes
1: yeah i haven't done that yet because i suppose on the days i'm working i'm working at nine o'clock and the days i'm not working i've just forgotten about it but yeah no i have to have a look at that it's really good
0: yeah okay um if you weren't doing this job, so the job that you're doing now with the Kent If you weren't doing that, what would you be doing? Anything in the world? What would you possibly be doing?
1: I, I love food, um, and I've always thought I'd like to do something related to food. I'm not sure what. Um, so yeah, maybe I don't know whether that be making and selling food, or what, well, I don't know. But something hopefully, if I wasn't doing this, something related to the food industry.
0: Ah, okay. And lastly, tell us something that we don't know about you. Tell us something about Rowan that we don't know.
1: Oh, God, I don't know. My husband's just walked into the room, so I'll have to wait until he's left before I tell you that, because he might not. (laughs) (laughs) Something you don't know about. Maybe maybe he's
0: got something. Maybe he knows something.
1: (laughs) What about me, Matthew? Be careful what you say. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> worse than me I snore worse than him <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can get him for that later <laughs> I
1: could have that more.
0: oh no that's bad <laughs> well thank you so much Rowan thank you for your time and thanks for having a chat with us um and I will pop the links and stuff that you've given us so if people do want to contact the foundation or contact you um then they can get in touch and um everything can go from there okay cool thank you katie thanks for listening let us know whose story you want to hear next and if you've enjoyed today's episode then be sure to leave us a review we'll see you next week